y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Spooky, the podcast home of all things Southern Spooky, and this week, Paranormal Justice! Paranormal Justice! Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I like that little chorus. I am your Carolina girl, Heather. And I am your Florida man, Tony. Are you making fun of me? Nope, not at all. Yeah, I think you are. Okay. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome! Yes, indeed, welcome. We hope you enjoy us. I'm sure we'll enjoy having you. Euphemisms! <laughs> Feel free to check out our Facebook page, our Patreon, and other social media sites. Mm-hmm. We invite you to leave a few likes and some five-star reviews on the podcast platform of your choice. Or, you know, all of them. What would be really funny is if someone actually like sent us like five gold stars. I always liked getting gold stars in school. Oh, okay. Well, I, I never got any. They didn't do gold stars. They did smiley faces and sad faces. <laughs> Is that like the Florida school system versus the Carolina I don't one? Know. Like, and it's like I think one time I remember my mother getting a mediocre face. It's Man. just like that, just that like flat <laughs> kind of look. This week, <laughs> it's just like I'm suddenly reminded of the Watchmen with the smiley face with the blood coming off of it. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, go ahead. Pity. This week, we're looking at the story of the Greenbrier Ghost. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. This tale takes place in West Virginia, Mm -hmm. back at the end of the 1800s, and is part true crime, part ghost story. Indeed. The Greenbrier Ghost is the name given to the spirit of Elva Zona Heaster Shoe. That is a name. It is a name. A young woman in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, United States, who was murdered in 1897. Oh, yes. Initially judged a death by natural causes, the court later declared that the woman had been murdered by her husband, following testimony by the victim's mother, Mary Jane Heaster. She claimed that her daughter's spirit revealed the true cause of her death. Yes, and this was actually upheld in a court. Yes. Yes. This is recorded. It is in their documents. Allegedly, it is a true story. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't watch peppy things before we record. <laughs> right. So We've been story. on a Randy Feltface bender for a little while. <laughs> yeah. That, you shouldn't name your kid Brighton. <laughs> on to the creepy stuff. In October of 1896, mm-hmm. Elva Zona Heaster. We're just going to say Elva from now on? No, known locally as Zona. Okay, Zona. Sorry. So she's a Legend of Zelda character. Got it. Oh, is that it? She met a, a blacksmith named Erasmus Stribbling Trout Shoe. S-A-Q-E. Who named these kids? <laughs> it was the 1800s. Did their parents hate them? Shoe, who uh, went by Trout had recently moved to the area and set up a blacksmithing forge. Trout was 37 years old. I'm sorry. You need to go and see the blacksmith. His name is Trout. And Zona was 23. Okay, so not a big leap for back then. One would think. And within weeks, they were married. Okay. Now, Zona's mother did not approve. She very much disliked this match. Okay. Trout was older than Zona, though, as you say, that's not too unusual. Not for back then, anyway. No. And moreover, there was just something about him she didn't like. Maybe the fact that he was named Trout? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he cheated at horseshoes. I I don't know. Yeah. Hate a dog, something. (laughs) 
But Zona had made up her mind. Yes. Zona had grown up on the family farm. She was a joyous and happy spirit before she became a spirit. No pun intended. Maybe. She'd never been away from home, and she was excited to start her own household. Well, I mean, which most people were back then. Yeah, I suppose. It was a big thing. We live past 14! Let's start a family! (laughs) On the evening of January 23rd... Mm Mm-hmm. 1897, so, I mean, just a few months after they met and married. Yeah. Trout was working late and summoned his young helper, Andy Jones, to send a message to his wife. He asked Andy to check on the young lady and make sure she had everything she needed and make sure she was doing okay. Quiet! Andy's coming! Oh, God. The couple were expecting, but Zona had been having some difficulties so they elected to keep that fact secret from the everyone except for the town physician, gotcha. Dr. George Knapp. Yeah. So 11-year-old Andy skipped off to the shoe home. Andy knocked, but there was no answer. So he had knocked a few more times. Well, one would think that he would only knock once. He'd be like, tap, tap, tap. She's not home. <laughs> well, back in these days when people actually answered the door, yeah. you know. But after... There was nothing. He quietly entered the house and crept inside, and it was dark in there. Zona was generally a happy homemaker and usually bustling about, uh, entertaining or tidying or you know, whatever housekeeping type, type stuff she was up to. Yeah. But this time the house was very quiet, unnervingly silent. I oh. like my adverbs, you know. Yeah. And Andy finally found Zona, but she was on the floor, Ooh. unresponsive. Unable to quite process what he was seeing, he fled home, (laughs) which I suppose is not unreasonable for an 11-year-old. Yeah. So he blurted everything to his mother, who was also quite naturally alarmed. Yeah. And being a practical person, and a mother, I guess, Mrs. Jones sent Andy to summon Trout home while she herself would fetch the doctor. So Dr. Knapp shows up at the familiar address. Mm -hmm. The Joneses and Trout were already in the house. Yeah. Now Trout had taken Zona upstairs and arranged her carefully on the bed. She was dressed in a high-necked gown, apparently already arrayed as if for burial. And a Trout also appeared beside himself, weeping on, on her body, and the doctor had to gently ask him to move so he could do some kind of examination while... The grieving widower carried on. So he shooed him away? <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. So he just kept crying and holding her head and smoothing her hair, being very sweet. Mm. Well, the doctor concluded that the death was natural, albeit unexpected, probably due to complications of pregnancy. Yeah. Because back then, anything could be a complication. At you! You're going to die! And it was such a tragic thing to happen to this handsome young Mm -hmm. gentleman. So the cause of death was initially listed as childbirth, even though she wasn't birthing. She was buried on January 24th, 1897, in the local cemetery, now known as the Soul Chapel Methodist Cemetery. Gotcha. Now, during the funeral, Trout wept loudly even approached the casket to arrange her favorite scarf on her body. He wouldn't let anyone else get too close, though. Now, standing a bit away um, was Zona's mother, Mary Jane Heaster. Now, Mary Jane, she didn't show very much grief, but she just radiated a burning hatred towards the scene that 
Trout was enacting. And so, like, you see Trout, and he's like, ah! and then you look over at Mom, and you hear, Rectus! <laughs> Perhaps. Now, I can only imagine this is not just a Southern thing, but after most funerals, the people who are close to the deceased kind of end up in like a receiving line. It's customary to meet the mourners and yeah. you know, for the mourners to pay their respects and give their condolences. Well, and also I've been to quite a few funerals where they have food. Oh yeah. Like so at, after after the after the funeral, there's a barbecue. <laughs> or something. Or something, yeah. You know, goodness, if you're Irish there's usually a big party. Right. But after the final words of the funeral were concluded, Mary Jane just left. She spoke to no one. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Okay. As if it was boring up until then, right? In the following days and weeks, Mrs. Heaster's behavior became increasingly odd. Yeah. She rarely ventured out of the house, which really, that part isn't odd because someone's mourning her daughter. But when she did, she just didn't act like herself. She seemed disheveled and unkempt. She was muttering to herself, looking around wildly as if she was paranoid that something was after her. Yeah. She rarely spoke to anyone. And people could see lights on in her bedroom late into the night. This is, I presume, candles or possibly gas lights. I'm not sure. Well, 1800s, most likely candles. So the townspeople very much pitied her and hoped she would get better. And they noticed that Mr. Heaster was... um, Spending his evenings in the barn. <laughs> Confucius say, man who go to cat house, sleep in dog house. I think he was just trying to get away from the weird. Uh, indeed. Now, the reason she was behaving so erratically was both understandable and strange. Mary Jane had lost her daughter. All right, so Mary Jane had lost her daughter, but beyond that, she felt that something just wasn't right. She knew that her daughter's death was could not have been just natural but she had no idea how to find out or prove it yeah it's that just mother's intuition i suppose so she being a religious type began to pray every night not just to the great almighty but begging her daughter to come back to her and tell her what was wrong she stayed up late into the night as the neighbors saw just willing her daughter back into existence She prayed during the day, out loud, under her breath, so it looked like she was talking to herself. I guess she was. And she was looking around constantly for any sign that Zona might be trying to communicate. And this whole process made her look completely deranged. Gotcha. Have you ever seen anyone like that? Yes. We used to live near a place called Broughton Mental Hospital. Figures. In Morganton, North Carolina. And we would go out into their park and play and have a good time and, and, you know, be kids. And they would let people out. And some of those people were pretty messed up. Interesting playmates, I guess. Yeah. A lot of them very nice, just kind of messed up. Well, after many weeks, Mary Jane apparently succeeded. Now, according to the story, for several nights, a spectral white light appeared in her room and then would fade away. And the recordings of what, or I suppose the stories of what the actual apparition was are varied. Um, One source I found actually says the spirit of Zona came and begged to climb in bed with her mother and told her story like it was a sleepover. Now, 
We watched the Mr. Ballin version of this. So if anyone wants to check that out, Mr. Ballin is awesome. Oh, well, yeah. And he definitely weaves... look into Mr. Ballin. Oh, yeah. And he weaves a rather graphic story of her appearance that I rather like. Yeah. Now, according to his version, and I don't know his source, but Mary Jane blurted out, How did you die? Despite great trepidation. And Zona related her story, explaining that the handsome blacksmith had a wicked temper named trout well he was trout yes the temper might have been steve i don't know he had a wicked temper and he tended to hit her and degrade her one would think that he would take out all that anger and stuff as a blacksmith on his medals one would think yes that also means he's very strong. I'm, t- I'm telling you, doing doing a little bit of that, there is a certain catharsis in beating hot metal. You've done that, right? Yeah, euphemism. But still, <laughs> you've done that for real, right? But yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, there is there is a catharsis in it. Yeah, I would imagine. I'm surprised that if once you're done with that, you have any energy for anything else. Oh, your your shoulders feel like jello, but well, apparently the night she died. Zona had made dinner only to find out that her menu did not quite meet with his approval. He was furious that he she hadn't prepared any meat. Zona tried to placate him and calm him and anyone who's ever been in a difficult or abusive relationship, you know what that's like. But he was so angry that he grabbed her by the throat, lifted her off the ground, and throttled her. And according to the Mr. Ballin story, Zona's spirit levitated at this point in her story and seemed to relive the throttling her head her head spinning backwards with a terrible audible crack and zona retreated with her head on backwards with the words now you see what he did to me as if mary jane hadn't tried to warn her but oh, yeah <laughs> never mind that relieved the next morning mrs heaster woke up groomed dressed herself properly and set out to see the prosecutor, Mr. John Alfred Preston. She barged into his office unannounced and stated that she needed to speak with him about her daughter. He was perhaps a bit startled by her sudden appearance. Well, but, yeah. Uh, pity and uh, curiosity prompted him to hear her story, her wild and bizarre tale. Opinions vary about whether the lawyer truly believed her story or whether he was already swayed by public opinion. Yeah. The townsfolk had started to whisper, because, you know, Trout was from out of town, he married one of their own, and then she died. So they had started to whisper about murder and placing the blame about Zona's death on her husband from out of town. And whatever the case, he decided it was worthwhile to visit Dr. Knapp and satisfy his own curiosity. And Dr. Knapp explained and confessed that he had not been able to conduct a proper exam because the grief-stricken widower was in the way. And he really hadn't had the heart at the time to make the situation more difficult. And now Dr. Knapp realized that perhaps the grief was a convenient show. Trout had held Zona's head and arranged her hair over her neck, and at the funeral there was that high neck collar and the favorite scarf... So the gentleman immediately decided to conduct a second, fuller examination. Which means exhuming the body. Indeed, she was exhumed and re-examined on February 22nd, 1897. So just a couple of months. I think about a month, actually, so not long. And being that it was wintertime, she was 
fairly well refrigerated and in good condition. Yeah. And there are records that show that the doctor did note that her vertebrae, he actually listed them, I think it was one and two, but I could be two and three, were dislocated and her windpipe was crushed. Also, still visible were finger-shaped bruising about her neck. So Trout Shoe was arrested for his wife's murder. Nice. He was held in the jail in Lewisburg while awaiting his trial. And during this time, you know how it is, more information started coming forth about him. Yeah. He'd been married twice before. His first marriage ended in divorce, which back then, that was kind of hard to do. That wife cited um, abject cruelty. Mm. The second marriage ended when his wife died um, under mysterious circumstances. You mean sort of like his third? Yeah! Very much like the third. Zona was the third wife, and uh, she began talking to his... um, fellow inmates about how he had this desire for some reason to marry in succession seven women he freely spoke of this ambition while in jail and told reporters that he was sure he'd be let free because there was so little evidence against him oh yeah because you know back then that's how it worked well yeah there were no fingerprints or dna so this is actually fairly impressive i was about to say dna didn't come around till the 80s so yeah like our 80s yeah (laughs) the 1980s yeah now, the trial began on June 22nd, 1897, and it lasted eight days. That's a short trial. And Mary Jane Heaster was Preston's star witness. He confined his questioning to the known facts of the case, kind of skirting the issue of the ghostly visitations. Yeah. Perhaps, hoping to prove her unreliable, Shoe's lawyer questioned Mrs. Heaster extensively about the ghostly visits on cross-examination but the tactic backfired when mrs heaster would not waver in her account despite intense badgering well i mean it doesn't matter where you found the damn evidence the evidence is there and it doesn't matter where you found the badger as long as you don't wave it too hard exactly wow (laughs) you can't drink without a fork but no like i mean it doesn't matter if you know jesus told you that someone had done something or you accidentally stumbled upon it the evidence is there there might be some something about due process these days, however. But as the defense had introduced the issue, the judge found it kind of difficult to instruct the jury to disregard the ghost story. And most of the people in the community seemed to believe it. Believe now, it. now I'm envisioning the judge from the second Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> oh, I forget the name of the guys. The... the Sounded like Spaghetti Brothers, some Italian mafia guy. Scaleri. Scaleri Brothers. Yeah. Gave him the chair. (laughs) Friends of yours? (laughs) Why don't you just tell them you don't believe in ghosts? (laughs) (laughs) On day six, Trout himself took the stand in his own defense. And, um... Oh, I forget which YouTuber it is we listen to, but uh, the way he likes to say it. And it did not go well. Oh, that would be Nuke. Yeah, Nuke's (laughs) top five. (laughs) It did not end well. He rambled, and he just talked about nonsense, and he accused everyone to be against him and out to get him, you know, because that always works well. Yeah. Consequently... Trout was found guilty of murder on July 11th and sentenced to life in prison. Uh-huh. 
And while the judge reportedly urged the jury to ignore the more supernatural elements of the case against him, the stories were out in the open. And to this day, Zona Heaster Shoes Ghost is generally recognized as the reason her husband was convicted. And the first person to ever identify her own murderer. Yeah, more or less. The state of West Virginia has erected a state historical marker near the cemetery where Zona lies buried. Would you like to read it or shall I? Oh, go ahead. Interred in nearby cemetery is Zona Heaster Shoe. It's almost sad that she has to keep his name. Yeah. Her death in 1897 was presumed natural until her spirit appeared to her mother to describe how she was killed by her husband, Edward. I don't know why they put that there because that's not his name. Yeah. Autopsy on the exhumed body verified the apparition's account. Edward, or Trout, found guilty of murder, was sentenced to the state prison. Only known case in which testimony from a ghost helped convict a murderer. Which is kind of cool. I think so. Yeah. Now, of course, this could have just been the mother knowing that he was a ne'er-do-well, a bad type, and just figured she had to come up with something. Especially if he was on his way to marry and murder seven women. Yeah. Well, surprisingly, according to what you wrote, he died three years later. Yeah, not much longer. I was about to say, this is the good part now. He died March 13th, 1900, in West Virginia State Penitentiary. Penitentiary. As I well know, the prisons are uh, rife with plagues and pestilence and epidemics. Yes. And some unknown sickness went through the prison and took him out. Wow. He was buried in an unmarked grave in a local cemetery. Well. What a pity. Yeah, indeed. So that I believe there's a word that I recently learned that was actually a very real word, Mm. which I feel kind of stupid for not knowing it, comeuppance. You hadn't heard that before. No, no, I had heard it. I did not know it was a real word. It Yes, it's very apropos here. Out of curiosity, where did you hear it? Uh, On a, a, like, I don't know, it was on a documentary that I was watching and it had the subtitles on, and the word comeuppance came up, and I was like, wait, that's a real thing? It does seem like it shouldn't exist as anything other than a slang mashup, but yeah, it is. It's yeah. weird, huh? So that's the word of the day, kids. Comeuppance. Not as much fun as defenestrate, but... Yeah, defenestrate's you know, a good one. It is a good one. Yes. So this one is, regrettably, sort of short, yeah, but indeed. fascinating. So if you want to hear more about it or get more details, definitely check out Mr. Ballin and look at his playlist and you yep. can uh, search for the Greenbrier Ghost and it'll mm-hmm. come up. Yeah. I mean, if um, you're into this and it being quite literally the only ghost to ever like help with a conviction, that's kind of cool. At least allegedly. Yeah. And of course, there's more about it out there, but uh, I thought she was a cool story. Yeah. But in the meantime, that's all we have for you today, my darlings. Unless you want to go back and listen to older ones. Well, yes, you can always listen to us, you know, from way back in the past, like a whole year ago. Yes. We hope you enjoy this delightfully creepy tale of murder, haunting, and almost instant karma. Comeuppance! Comeuppance! Join us next week for whatever it is we're going to do then. Indeed. Because we never know until... Because, yeah, with, with our schedule, we never know. And thank you for your patience while we didn't have a story last week yeah or really the week before well i mean again we're just really busy new job and all that and 
I mean, yeah. Life happens. Life happens. Indeed. In the meantime... Life is the thing that happens when you make plans. That's very true. We invite you to our socials. We hope you might leave us some comments, likes, and a sprinkling of five-star reviews. Just don't send us actual stickers. I mean, if you do, they'll get used, but... I'll put them in resin cups. Well, indeed. Along with the glitter. Yes. I must be very tired. I'm so strange right now. (laughs) I'm your Carolina girl. And I'm your Florida man. And together we have been Southern Southern Fried Spooky. So until next week, bye, y'all. So you think this uh, trout guy, he ever, like, tried out for, like, the penitentiary baseball team? <laughs> what, you think he has a good arm on him or I something? Mean, he's probably a shoe-in. Mm-hmm.